confidants, my ooh, inquisitive, therapeutic, uh, mind-altering and betterment confidants. Welcome to another episode of Confidently Insecure, the podcast where we are absolutely sure we don't know everything. I am your host, Kelsey Dara. And this episode, I am so, so excited for because you guys have been following my journey with wellness, mental health, and a little bit of teeny weeny uh, fungi here and there. And now we have a real expert live with us. We've got Kelsey Ramston. You were dubbed one of Canada's top female entrepreneurs. And more importantly, you are the CEO of Mind Cure. Thank you so much for being here, Kelsey. I am stoked to be here, Kelsey. This is going to be, I mean, <laughs> thankfully our voices sound a little bit uh, different or the listeners yes. are like, which Kelsey are we dealing with here? So All welcome I know is to we're everyone. Both smart and on it, right. and boss, and it just comes with the territory of being Kelsey, this right? This is kind of the name. I mean, yeah. What was that? <laughs> what else was going to happen? Nothing. Exactly. Um, okay. First question: What is Mind Cure? Great question. Uh, so, Mind Cure <laughs> is a mental health company. So, we have um, really two divisions. One is where we take psychedelic drugs and we research them, and we do that by indication. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of programs. One is Ibogaine, and the other is called the Desire Project. Um, and then the other part of our business is developing AI-backed, passively monitoring technology that helps psychedelic therapy be rolled out at scale so that individuals can track their own process in their healing journey and really be uh, what, what I like to call developmental wealth and be a colleague in their own care, uh, which is really what wow. we're after when we talk about psychedelic healing is you know, that we are, we're an integral part of our own healing. And uh, so that's what Mind Cure is all about. And uh, we've been around for about, I'm going to say just shy of two years. Wow. New company. um, Yeah, pretty new, pretty new. And we're traded on the stock exchanges in Canada and the States, which is exciting because it means to me that people are a lot more open to psychedelics. And I think people typically thought, so when we have regulatory approvals and when, when, when the traders are trading um, and we have this kind of market acceptance, it's not only interesting on the wellness side, obviously, but interesting culturally that mm. you can you can invest in psychedelic companies now. And two years ago, you could not do that. That was not a wow. thing. So it's exciting. No. Like we are in the revolution. It's great. Amazing. And I want to know what brought you personally into this mm. space. Yeah, good question. So... I did the thing I think I feel like a lot of us think we're meant to do, which is climb the mountaintop, jump the hoops, collect the gold coins, tick the boxes, whatever the deal, right? And I did that. I scaled some businesses. Uh, I got an MBA. I won a lot of awards. I have a wall full of like things going on. The paperwork says I'm important and a good person. And gosh (laughs) darn it. Um, I worked hard, right? (laughs) And then I got to the mountaintop as it were, and I looked around and I was like, you know, I was supposed to feel whole when Mm. I got here. This was Mm. the part where I was enoughness and better Mm. and knowing and all of that. Um, Mm. and I wasn't, I mean, Mm. sure. I'd learned a few things along the way and there's a lot of things that got easier by virtue of some success, but at my soul level, I would say I wasn't any better off for having had done all of the things I thought I was meant to do to get me to this promised land of wellness. So, and you know, I've been in therapy forever. So I had done all the therapy, you know, uh, typical therapy and um, had a stint with postpartum depression with a psychiatrist. Mm. I've been medicated. I've been not, I've been all the things. And of course, you know, society looks at my success and is like, that girl's got it all together. And I think this is one of the, these kind of permission points to allow people mm. to be invited to this thought that, you know, some of the people, and you hear this anecdotally, but some of the people who seem like they have it most together are the people who have it the least together. It just happens to be that the things they have together, society approves of, Wow. you know? Um, wow. So that was me. And then I, uh, I just got to a place where I was like, you know, you have one ride on the blue marble. I'm not sure this is how I should spend it. Um, So I started uh, 
by luck of life was dealt a, a, a great friend who was just like on the floor of my best high school friend at uni. And she wound up being folded into our mix of friends. And now she's um, a doctor and was doing research with psychedelic medicine. Mm. And she said, Kelsey, you know, I know you did a few mushrooms at uni. Um, maybe you would be open to this kind of therapy. So I started reading research papers and looking into what was coming out of Johns Hopkins and what maps are doing and all these kind of things. Cause by this point, I'm like a 40 year old mother of three children with all these businesses. And like, people like me don't do drugs in airports. <laughs> sure. I don't know if you got that yeah. part, right? Yeah, for sure. And so I felt like, you know, I, I needed to know, and this is, these are different dosages when we're talking about psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, just for the, you know, for the listeners yeah. may not be totally up to speed with what we're talking about. There's this, this notion of microdosing that I think is like culturally pretty popular. Mm -hmm. People understand we're talking about like, you know, and again, all asterisks, I'm not giving medical advice, blah, 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 blah. Sure. But, you know, we're talking about 0.1 grams mm -hmm. or a 10th of a gram. If we're talking about a microdose of psilocybin, this is formerly known mm -hmm. as managed mm -hmm. mushrooms. But when we're talking about therapeutic doses, we could be talking upwards of like five grams. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. anyone who has purposefully or accidentally taken five grams of mushrooms <laughs> will tell you that it's quite a different experience. Um, and so I wanted to be assured that if mm -hmm. I go and do a therapeutic dose of psilocybin, I'm going to be able to show up for work and mm -hmm. my family and my, all of my mm -hmm. responsibilities and all these people who sure. work for me and that I'm responsible for yeah. providing wages for it, you know, <laughs> and turns out the research is good. So hey. I became a patient. <laughs> I became wow. a patient of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy just about four years, just about five years ago, I suppose now. And wow. I, I know that's a bit of a long answer to share how I no. came here, but I think it's important that people hear, you know, mm. um, a bit of a journey and a bit of an understanding of there is research that exists. There's more to be done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's not only fringe people who are doing psychedelic yeah. therapy it's like typical you know i'm a 45 year old canadian mother of three blah 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 <laughs> you know um but but there is suffering at all ages and stages mm. and cultures and uh, i think mm. psychedelics can be of service for a lot of those people and so that's mm. why i decided i would not do the businesses i had started and founded at scaled and I retired uh, after doing some of the work. And then when the capital markets were coming together to start funding research, I thought yeah. I do okay at founding and scaling and starting businesses and delivering things. And I know a fair number of people in the psychedelics world. So um, I'd like to be of service and change some lives. So here we are. Wow. Wow. I mean, Amazing answer. First of all, I thank you for sharing such a personal connection to to how you got into this work and and so much so much gold in your answer just about what the impact we're going to leave behind on this earth is. Mm. And it's great when you're doing it for yourself, but that only lasts for so long. And yeah. I think we we come to find that the community aspect mm. of healing and the the power and knowledge to pass that on to someone else is so amazing. And you guys are doing it through something that a lot of people are afraid of, thanks to Timothy Leary and his shenanigans. Yeah. But uh, you sure. talked a little bit about this, about how the research has been there for so long and it's been mm. so overshadowed. I mean, all of the psychedelics from LSD to mescaline mdma all of that came out of clinical trials and 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 studies for therapeutic assisted uh excuse me psychedelic uh, assisted therapies and mm -hmm. what what are we doing or what exactly is mind cure doing to sort of break that stigma or maybe show people that this is something that like you mentioned your mom could do <laughs> yeah Call, uh, calling all mothers. Uh, so I think there's there's kind of like, I always feel like it's important to, to give a little bit of grace. So, mm. um, and I'm on your team with Tim Leary. Like, 
and <laughs> you were on the path and you kind of pulled a hard left on the deal and, and yeah. things didn't work out. Um, no. But, you know, Godspeed for the likes of him and some of the other folks, Ram Dass, mm. um, some of the mm-hmm. other folks who kind of took up the movement. Mm. We were invited into the possibility of psychedelic medicine. And so there right. was a period of time where there was a lot of research being done. And by, mm. you know, virtue of a few bad actors and again, culture, right? We think about culture and the impact that that has. And so at the time, this notion of the war, like even prior to the war on drugs under Reagan, but thinking back to the notions mm. of the times of like psychedelics is tune in, turn on and drop out and every society yeah. is going to fall apart. Right. I get it. If that was your yeah. fundamental belief, I don't think that people in the morning wake up and say, I'd really like to screw up the future. <laughs> right. It was just right. enough people who had the fundamental belief that what psychedelics could do was so disruptive to society that they feared mm. it. Mm. They weren't really willing to play out the research to determine how can we appropriately deploy these medicines in a way that's meaningful. They just went, holy mm. shit, this is, sorry if you're not allowed swearing on your show. Oh, I no, you very much can. Okay. Very much uh, can. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, pump the brakes. And so that's what happened. Mm. So I, you know, so I do want to provide a little bit of grace to like the origin, I think, was meant to be good. And the yes. timing and culture was just a misalignment. Mm-hmm. And now that we mm-hmm. have the opportunity to reintroduce this, this work. I think the timing and culture is open to a shift in how we approach mental health issues. And when we talk about Mm. mental health, I want to invite the listener to not only think about, you know, depression, anxiety, PTSD, but I want them to Mm. think about addiction. I want them Mm. to think about lack of sexual desire, which is one of the programs Mm. we're running. I want them Mm. to think about the full experience of being human Mm. and all of those things that that kind of, um, revolve and root between our ears that are Mm. the stick handlers of that human experience. Mm. And so psychedelics Mm. can be applied, we think, to a multiplicity Mm -hmm. of these things, which aren't only depression, anxiety, PTSD, but Mm -hmm. but those three will be materially helped. There are a lot of people suffering with a lot of things. The Mm. opiate crisis is a pretty material one at the moment where Ibogaine is a smash hit. So, mm. so so kind of painting this picture and bringing us up to today and what's happening is we have regulatory interest. The FDA mm. is allowing psychedelic trials to advance. Uh, the Canadian oh. government <laughs> is doing things called Section 56 exemptions where patients are applying for legal access to psychedelics in the mm. paradigm of care. So if you're an end-of-life mm. patient, you can apply mm. for access to psilocybin. Mm. Um and although at the same time, don't we have the culture uh, current where the FDA has also just scheduled three drugs that are not addictive, but are mm. psychoactive. So we mm. have this kind of this kind of current that's both like a headwind and a tailwind. Right. And, and the way to the way to address it, which is what we're doing and, and other psychedelics companies, a few of us in the space, clinical research. Like when you get down to the pragmatic, hard fact mm. of it, if you proof it scientifically and you show that there's a way to safely deploy these medicines with mm. consistent outcomes that help people, there mm. isn't much that can be done to say no. And you that's why no I believe the science. That, <laughs> you, know, you can't say no to the science. And that's why I believe that 10 years from now, um, this, this mental health arena is going to look very different. Mm from what it looks like today. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you bring up a good point of this is now a business, right? You know, I, on hmm. the podcast here, we've talked to some underground healers. Um, I live in Los Angeles, so we've uh, spoke to, um, oh gosh, what's the ketamine? What's running my mind right now? Anyways, some ketamine, ketamine therapy clinics. Um, and these places are gorgeous. They're like, you go to a yeah. wellness spa and it's, it's feels very safe because you're not in some guy's basement in high school, you know, with no, <laughs> with no supervision <laughs> around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is a business now. And I mm. think what I fear as a patient is what does that look like once you get mm. 
let's say I'm making air quotes to encapsulate it all, but when big pharma gets involved or when mm -hmm. government gets involved in my mental health, how is that alike or dissimilar from the therapy and mental health access that we have now? Yeah. I mean, this is, is a great question. So there's a lot of ways this one goes. Yeah, there's uh, a so long here's, one. <laughs> this is, well, there's, there's, um, there's pros and cons to everything, isn't there? So this idea mm. of big pharma is one that I think, you know, there's pros and cons. So big pharma gave us antibiotics. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like generally a thumbs up on that. Um, <laughs> Thank you, big but, pharma for that. <laughs> you know, yeah, Godspeed, well played. Uh, you know, big pharma has given us some of the greatest advances, right? Mm. But at the same time, big pharma has allowed some things that are really lucrative to get away from them, like oxy, as an example. You know, the opiate crisis is pretty material, and it was, mm. in my opinion, um, propagated on greed. And and mm -hmm. um, what started out as, you know, a good solution, mm. it just got away from them. Um, mm. And then wasn't stopped because, geez, these numbers are looking pretty okay. Yeah. So I think what you know. So I think when we talk about this kind of fear of big pharma, I get it. And also, mm. anybody who's done five grams of mushrooms knows you're not going to do it every Friday night. No, you're not going to do <laughs> it. You are just simply not. This is it. We're, what we're talking about is something very different than mm. those types of medications. And mm. with psychedelics. We're not talking, for the most part, about giving it to a patient in perpetuity. We're mm. actually kind of turning the big pharma model on its head and saying, you know what, instead of drugging you forever, a little bit every day, Ooh. what about we got to the root of a thing instead of treating the, sim the symptoms? Mm. What about... What about we actually get into your PSD, P PTSD mm. so that after a 12-week series of treatments, you no longer have PTSD? How about that? Mm. So, so I think it's a bit of both. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of this side that is, yes, Big Pharma will come and they will own us all. Like, that's just mm -hmm. the reality of commerce. If there's mm. enough money to be made in psychedelia, we will mm. we will all be bought, and they will own all these drugs. Mm. And um, the flip side of that, though, is that I believe that consumerism and demand and education on the part of the individual mm. will demand that those drugs are accessible. Mm. So uh, if we think about people who, who have someone in their family who is an addict mm -hmm. and they can go on um, methadrone forever, which has a whole mm -hmm. bunch of side effects, or they can do yeah. Ibogaine for a session. I'm pretty sure that those people will happily demand access to Ibogaine because the research is there and the drugs are available. So, mm. so it is going to be a culturally driven transformation mm. of how we access mm. healthcare. Mm. And I am, so excited for that piece where we take ownership of our own mental health and say, you know what, I'm not going to do the drugs every single day. I, I would rather go another route. Mm -hmm. And this word psychedelics has a lot of baggage, but if we could call mm -hmm. them neuroplastogens, how would that suit? Oh, you? I love that. That that's I good. love that. Yeah. But that's also what it is, you know? Um, right. And, and so I think it's it's part of a, a, a an interesting conversation um, that involves all of these facets of culture and commerce and timing and um, but I mean you're in LA mm -hmm. people people on the coast are generally pretty like yeah let's try yeah. that let's see what's what's on the front of things yeah I'm sure that you've heard a lot about people trying psychedelic medicine mm -hmm. for mental health mm -hmm. tons yeah it, it's and to know too that there's even like ketamine clinics in the Midwest, that's yeah. to me a, a huge step in the right direction. I want to put my tinfoil hat on for just a second and ask. Let's do it. I'm like, this is not me, but I, I've got to ask just because I've been in the, the mental health game for a very long time. Mm. If these neuro, what, what do you call neuroplastogens? Neuroplastogen. Yeah. I love that. If these neuroplastogens mm -hmm. are 
I'm going to use the word cure. I don't often, but are curing us of some of our, our suffering mm. and the government gets involved. And now I'm talking American. I know you're Canadian. Um, yeah. We have do, government though. They can yeah, stick yeah. their fingers you guys have like things the too. crown and you got, you sound much more sophisticated about it. Um, yes. 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 Do they want us to have something that you only need to take once every year, once every quarter, or, you know, depending on, do, do they want us to not be mm. taking the drugs that they've developed and worked on so hard to put in our lives? Yeah. Ah, so Tinfoil this... hat. <laughs> no, I dig it. I dig it. Tinfoil hats all day, man. I'm on your team. Let's do it. Because you do have to go to the extremes to yeah. really look at a situation. I've always appreciated this. Like I'm an open mm. skeptic. I always start with mm. yes, but then tell me for like, exactly. Let's parse this out. So I think this is where we see government and, and commerce ultimately being at odds. So mm. the cost of mental health care to our economy not to the drug providers or the and but to the insurers. So if you go to a mm. job and you're on short-term disability, that costs them a lot of money. Yeah. If you opt out of the workforce because you can't keep it together, that costs them a lot of money. If you're mm. an addict, that societally costs a lot of money. Your local like healthcare drop-in, whatever mm. the case, the municipal government is cleaning up needles like. The societal, economic, commercial cost of mental health challenges, mm. Mm. I believe, has got to this tipping point where we, we can't just, like, put on our Sunday best and hide it anymore. Mm -hmm. mm. We, are, we are at a place where the net cost to society is so great mm. that this idea of being able to, like, to your point, not medicate us, not give us the mm -hmm. opportunity for the cure. If, if this mm -hmm. is what we're, where we may prove to be. Um, I, I don't think the net benefit to the government yeah. or, or drug companies is actually there. All drug companies will do is just boost the cost of this stuff. They'll say, right. okay, cool. Right. So your methadone was going to be $50,000 for a 10 month or for a, for a one year term. Uh, if this guy's going to get off it, then the cost of the insurance company is going to be X, Y, Z. They will, mm -hmm. they will just adapt their math because mm. the, the government and society can't actually function without people showing up to work. Mm. They can't function without people, you know, all the teachers who've gone through COVID and having to teach mm. from home, all the frontline healthcare workers who like, Oof. they're cracking and rightfully yeah. so. Yeah. They got to get those people back up on their feet and in the game. Wow. Um, and, and so I think I appreciate the tinfoil hat and I, and <laughs> I, and I do like to put it on to go, yeah, okay. Can we do all this research and then for not, mm. but I, I do think that, you know, society as it sits today, will find this like tipping point of benefit and go, yeah, it just costs too much to not let this stuff out of the bag. Okay, let's do it. But wow. let's do it safely. Let's not yeah. have MDMA slip out the back door and Tim Leary it. And then we have you know, <laughs> some folks round running two. around naked <laughs> in the streets. Yeah, yeah, round two. <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point then is how do we keep treatment like this affordable and inclusive to mm. the people who arguably need it most and have the least access to it right now safely? Yeah, so this is this is one of these kind of like challenges of all things uh, early mm -hmm. days. So you probably like you're a reasonable amount younger than me, but in the early oh. days of flat screen televisions, I remember those. Uh, okay, <laughs> they were like fifteen grand. Now you can go to Walmart and get one for like six hundred bucks, right? Or three hundred, right. right? Yeah. So the, so this is kind of the, this is one of the conversations that gets in heated debates around psychedelia within the psychedelic community is, okay, so you're telling me it costs 1500 or 2,500 bucks to go for a series of ketamine treatments. Mm -hmm. Who can afford that? Right. Um, and, you know, on the chin, I will take that and say, admittedly, it's early days and insurance mm -hmm. doesn't cover it yet. And yes, mm -hmm. it is not good and right, mm -hmm. but 
this is how things, new products, new services always roll out. When we are mm-hmm. only serving so many people, you just can't spread the cost over that many. Like it's just, right. unfortunately, we're in the simplicity of math at the moment. Mm. Yeah. Once we get adoption, though, once once word of mouth is there, once a person says, you know what, my cousin tried X, Y, Z, he was feeling mm-hmm. like you, maybe you should go. And we get, you know, bums in seats and people coming through and more people requesting and then payers start to cover it. And then we start getting that. I, I think we're in good stead and we do have access. And once we mm. have the this, you know, the, the scientific work done and the and the studies behind some of these things so that payers can pay for them. Um, I, I think we're going to be fine, but in the very short term. Mm. Confidants, my sweet confidants. Quick break to tell you it is 2022. It is the year of taking care of ourselves. We have all been through it. So you know what I'm here to talk about? Better help, baby. Better help, my favorite platform, which is an online therapy platform that you can use to get through so many things that are interfering with your happiness. Things like LGBTQIA plus matters, grief, anger, family issues. They got it all. You can be matched with a licensed counselor in under 48 hours and getting therapy started for the new year. Y'all always know I'm saying therapy should be affordable and accessible to everyone and BetterHelp does just that. My new therapist is teaching me EFT technique, which is called emotional freedom technique. I mean, they are just loaded with knowledge. I'm absolutely obsessed with her and I do therapy every single week. And I want you to start living a happier life today, which is why you're going to get 10% off of your first month of therapy when you use code CI. That is 10% off your first month when you use code CI by visiting betterhelp.com slash CI. And join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash ci yeah we you know anybody who didn't say we have a situation in the short term would be bullface lying right um but that is just the truth and i i don't love it myself sure Uh, but that's accurate it's going to be upper middle class people in the very short term who are able to go Mm. to their local ketamine spa yeah and (laughs) right yeah and do their infusion um and that's 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 just the truth at the moment. Yeah. But I, I but and, my great hope is that's not where we're headed, you know. Mm, right. And those are the people arguably the ones who do make the decisions and laws and have the big bucks are the people that, you know, I see going to these retreats and these um spas if you will and those are the people whose minds we need to change, not only literally but, you know, metaphorically as well. This is a great point. It's very true. And, you know, I'm amongst them. Um, (laughs) I've been in the place and looked around the room and been like, interesting municipal lawyer, interesting (laughs) XYZ, interesting physician, uh, practicing Mm, surgeon, mm -hmm, interesting, mm -hmm. like, high school principal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, All right. So you're all in the room. You're going to you're going to understand what we're talking about, because this is an experiential thing. It's like, have you ever talked to someone who's gone skydiving and they're like, oh, my God, you have to do it. And I'm me going, hell no, like there's zero (laughs) chance of that ever happening. Um, There is this piece around psychedelic medicine that like people who have had the healing experience in a Mm -hmm. a truly clinically healing way. Mm. Um, it's, it's ineffable. It's really hard to explain outside Mm -hmm. of saying, I know that this can help. Mm. Um, and so you, you know, just the same way you can't describe how it feels to jump out of an airplane. Yeah. This is probably very terrible analogy. We're not talking about (laughs) jumping out of an airplane, but you know what I'm saying? But you know, yeah. This visceral, embodied, purely human, Mm. very personal experience Mm. that comes and goes in fullness Mm -hmm. and 
The weather is getting warmer, so it is time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now that I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortless, effortless, yeah, effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from 30 doll hairs, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I can confirm this. I'm actually wearing Quince pants right now. You are. They are so, they're, they're loose, they're breezy. These babies have a button, a fly, drawstring, and elastic in the band, so I can like I can dress them up. I can dress them down. Yes. They are, they're the perfect pant for summer, and I'm really comfortable as hell in them. Honestly, I am wearing the Quince 14 karat gold earring loop right now. Oh, my God. I know. I think it's so cute. It does not tarnish. It is so comfy, and I have sensitive ears, so I'm really loving this for my body. So get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Kelsey for free shipping on your order in 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Kelsey to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Kelsey. Richness and only you then can Mm. take that forward in a way that no one else has that exact same experience as you Mm -hmm. because it was yours and for you Mm. um, is hard to translate. Right, right. To to the general population. But the more people who have had that themselves, Mm -hmm to your point, who are in these positions, who Mm -hmm. don't, you know, who go, I get it. Yeah, no, we're good. Mm -hmm. I get it. It matters. It's good work. Um, It will help people. Let's, let's move this thing along in a way that, again, we can get the research done and unlock insurance payment. um, Mm. And for things that aren't just PTSD and depression, but for all of these things, like um, sexual desire, Right. It's an important thing. Right. I want to talk a little bit about that, right? There are some (laughs) things that you guys are doing at Mind Cure that I haven't heard of in our standard Mm. PTSD, anxiety, depression. You know, that's what we always hear that people are driving to these places for your traditional package of mental health issues, if you will. But you guys are doing some pretty cool different stuff. Can you talk a little bit about the couple projects? I can talk about, I mean, we talked a little bit about Ibogaine. I think for the listener, the, the, you know, what I would take, the take home is Ibogaine is a psychedelic you don't hear a lot about. Mm-mm. It comes from Africa. Uh, it comes from a root and it's a dreamlike state mm. and it's a buckle up experience. So it mm. is not four hours. Uh, it can be 16 to 24 hours long. Oh my goodness. Um, mm-hmm. It's like being in a dream state. So you're you're able and capable and here, as it were. Uh-huh. But you're also in visions and in it, it's it's quite an interesting um experiential psychedelic. Yeah. Uh, and predominantly to date it's been targeted at, at addiction and um mm-hmm. And there, there actually, there's a whole group of Navy SEALs who, who've been doing work with IBM. There's, a, there's some pretty interesting work happening around uh, brain trauma and, um, mm. and underlying addiction is often trauma. So, mm-hmm. so that's IBM. Mm-hmm. So I won't belabor the point. I would just say, if you're curious about, if I will say this, if you're curious about IBM, and even a lot of the drugs that we're going to talk about or have talked about, and you're not you know, maybe didn't like jam on the drug culture in some way. And you're, and you're like, what does that actually look like? What do people who do that look like? Or what does that look like being done? There's an amazing show. It's called Hamilton's Pharmacopia. Mm-hmm. And um, Hamilton Morris is a guy who's on our advisory. And he oh, is, really? I, yeah, Hamilton is on our jam. I adore Hamilton because he is an open skeptic. Hamilton, I bet. so for people who haven't seen Hamilton's show and don't know who Hamilton is, um, he does the drugs on the show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's a chemist and he's a documentarian mm-hmm. and he will show you and experience them and recount what it's like and also mm-hmm. take you to these places. So the Ibogaine, when he goes to Africa and he does like a traditional ceremony, it's really amazing. Anyway, uh, Godspeed to Hamilton, uh, yeah. strong lover over here. But so if people are curious and don't, so that's Ibogaine. 
Um, and then the desire project. Yes. was really born out of this, like, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you just get a whiff of a thing and it seems like, why isn't that a thing? <laughs> yes. Uh, all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, uh, that seems obvious to me and maybe nobody else, but like, what, what is this? Um, and so for us, the desire project was very much that, and that we know that MDMA and MDMA like drugs put people in a state of openness. They can be embodied. Mm -hmm. You get to feel your body. Um, mm -hmm. You're also like you, you diminish uh, your fight or flight. So you downgrade your default mode network. You can process hard things, mm -hmm. et cetera. So kind of come, came this idea of like, what about so when we think about desire, important kind of asterisks here, we're not talking about orgasm. So everybody just rushes to orgasm, like a big fireworks show. That's what everybody folks on. <laughs> but prior to orgasm, there is arousal. Prior to arousal, there's desire. So desire mm. is between our ears. Arousal mm. is in our body. Orgasm mm. tends to be in our genitals and maybe some other places. But mm -hmm. the long story short is, hmm, what about helping people who have a history of negative relationships, mm. history of negative sexual experience. Mm. Um, what about helping people who have body image issues or lack of self-esteem? Mm. Wow. Who have a real problem being mm. open to desire. Mm. Desire can be by themselves. Wow. Like you don't need a partner to have desire. No. You know, this whole like culture of that even being true. You don't, there's this picture. My grandma passed away when she was 97. Oh, wow. And when she died, they had this, you know, that people will have like a wall of pictures of the person. Sure. And there's this picture of my grandma. And she, I don't know how old she is. I can't say, but I'm going to guess she was probably, maybe she's 30. And she's at the beach and she's in one of those old swimsuits, you know, the gals used to okay. wear with kind of like the squarish bottom and like it's not yeah. particularly sexy, but it's a, it's a suit. And she's on the sand and she's kind of like, she's in this not necessarily even really sultry position, but she's kind of just like seated with her knees up and her kind of arms behind her, so to speak. Sure. And the look on her face is a look I'd never seen from my grandmother, but it was desire. Wow. And I think that every woman knows that sense mm, that's like mm -hmm. it's not necessary we haven't got to sexual it is just this pure connection to who we are what we want mm. and feeling open to exploring it mm. and did you know that 40 percent of women in america during at some point during their like you know pre-menopausal years experience a prolonged lack of desire i believe it <laughs> I do I believe too. it. I, I didn't know it, but I believe it. <laughs> I mean, I super believe it. I mean, anybody who has like a wine club or a book club or just like a Friday night with the gals knows, like we're all nodding. We're yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I know uh -huh. that's true. They're um, like, and? <laughs> and I know. Well, so 14% of women get actually diagnosed, but that number is increasing oh, wow. because more of us who are potentially considered more youthful are standing up for what we mm. need and want. We're going to our mm. GP and saying, I'm just not feeling it. I used to feel it. Mm. It's gone. I don't know what's up, but mm. I need to explore it. And so our desire project is targeting those women who know they want, they're desirous of their desire. They want it back. Mm. They don't know mm. how or where it went. And mm. sometimes it's even just the thousand cuts of being a woman in modern life. Yeah. Um, and so being able to utilize psychedelics with psychotherapy to explore ourselves and connect to who we are and mm. what we most desire can mm. unlock that. And so that's wow. our desire project. That's what we're working on. Getting desire for the I'm ladies. Like, I'm like in total awe because this is the first time I've ever heard something like a, a I'm stealing all your words, the psychedelia conversation revolves specifically towards women. And hmm. 
the treatment for women. And I'm going to get a little like, ugh, stereotypical here. I hate this question and love it because I think it's important to address. But like, you're a woman CEO, you're a mom, you're a badass. And I'm sure while you have a lot of those traditionally, making air quotes, stereotypically masculine traits Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. crush the business, which is still unfortunately felt so masculine. What do you feel like, I know, right? What do you feel like about being a woman makes you Mm. unique in this space as a CEO? Like just even the fact that you have that program, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I don't (laughs) think that would have happened with a a dude business. I think your style. Run. (laughs) I like even how you frame this question. Yeah, I mean, this is my 101. This is the 101 question Mm. for Kelsey Rams is like, what's it like to be a woman in? And before I this, I did civil construction and real estate. What do all these men Mm. think? And uh, so I feel you and I read you and I do feel a bit of the, ugh, but I also feel yeah. the ultimate importance that you feel mm-hmm. in that, yet yeah, this mm-hmm. is a real question and this is why we ask it. Um, mm. Here's, here's, here's what I, I think I know, like to your, you know, confidently, um, not confident. This is kind <laughs> of like this, like I, I'm, I'm 99% sure, but I'm open to suggestion. Um, <laughs> I think that, I build teams well. I think mm. that I develop trust well. I mm. think that I'm open to saying what I don't know and listening pretty well, mm. um, which can be female traits. I mean, fellas can mm. do that too. But I, I, I think my coming into this work and doing what we've done in the time that we've done it is kind of based on some of those feminine things. Mm. And I feel like in particular with respect to this field of psychedelia is this like really empathetic understanding for the patient experience and Mm. being able to connect to my soul about it and being able Mm. to actually say the words connect to my soul about it (laughs) as a leader is something that typically publicly traded CEOs don't say those words. Um, (laughs) but, but it's, but it's more allowed for women to say that, like I get a little bit of grace by saying that. So Mm. there's a pro con, right? Mm. You know, if a Mm -hmm. fella said that there'd be some pretty heavy judgment, they're still judging me as a woman, but, but I get a little bit of grace in that. And Mm. to this program, I mean, yeah, like, again, can a fella come out and say, I want women to have more desire? (laughs) probably going to be received a little bit differently than when I come out and say, I want women to have more desire. Yes. But what does that say about our culture and that we're going to shame a man who wants women to have more desire? Because that's what we felt inherently in that statement. Do you want women to have more desire? Oh, okay. Of course. Of course they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, There must be something disingenuous or something like about that. Creepy behind it. Yeah. (laughs) But maybe the dude has a sister or a wife or a friend who's suffered from Mm -hmm. like really losing their marriage to it, losing their Mm. primary relationship, losing themselves to what going, it really isn't you. It is me. I don't know Mm. why I'm not in it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's because I'm a girl that I'm here and I'm able to do this part of this work. And I'm not saying I don't think a fella could do it, but I am, you know, grateful that sometimes having a bra on gives you a, you know, a golden ticket and, but sometimes it gives you, you know, lead shoes mm. and it's just about recognizing where and when those things are applicable. Mm. Um, yeah, I read recently there's only 5% of the CEOs of publicly traded company are women. And yeah, and only, I think I'm going to misquote this, but only by a small number, only 15% of those women are under the age of 60. Wow. So it's like, you got to grind it till you're basically retired. And they're like, you know, she's giving it a strong go. Let's put her in. (laughs) She'll be out in three years. And, uh, And I feel like to some degree, um, it's just like, it's a really an amazing honor to be the only female CEO of a publicly traded psychedelics company who's doing research. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's huge. And that provides me the great opportunity to advance programs like this and unabashedly mm-hmm. show up and look folks in the eye and say, yeah, I think women's health, women's mental health mm-hmm. and women's sexuality and desire 
mm. is worth our time. We wow. don't just need Viagra. No. We need some other stuff too. Wow. That's so powerful. Um, no pressure, you know, just, uh, <laughs> just, just strange in the know. world. You know, very cool. Um, I want to get a little, uh, I want to narrow in a little bit just for okay. our listeners who maybe wouldn't even know where to start. We've, you know, mm. on this podcast talked a lot about, uh, I won't even, I won't even get into the, 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 the microdosing question of it all. But I know mm. a, a messages that I still get every single day are about like, where do I start? How do I know if I'm supposed to cool. do ketamine or psilocybin or, you know, mescal? Like, where do we even begin? I myself yeah. am on the journey. I did try microdosing. I had to get off all my medications in order to try it. Mm. I realized that it wasn't it, the microdosing part was fine. I just was not ready to be off all my medications. And so yeah. got back on everything, top of the year. And now I'm looking into the ketamine only mm. because it's the most accessible right here down the street from me. Um, right. But I am currently reading How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, which I'm sure Dig you, you know yes. all about. Yeah. Good. And Good I'm book. like, I never in a million trillion years that I would be someone who says like, I would like to try the LSD. I would like to try the psilocybin. Mm. I, I would love to try MDMA. These are all things that despite being um, someone who was raised in the party scene has not used and, and not experienced. Right. So where does someone do even start? start? Where do we start? <laughs> where do we begin? Okay. Well, yeah. we begin with, I think where most people begin. Um, be curious, ask a lot of questions, mm. you know, obviously just the same as any given thing, the World Wide web, as they call it, has yeah. a lot of information. <laughs> it also has a lot of misinformation. So beyond being yeah. curious, uh, be inquisitive with people who have partaken, be inquisitive mm. with friends who may know friends, open conversations. Mm. It's not something mm. to be ashamed of. We're not talking about like, you know. Uh, we are, and particularly across the states right now, seeing a shift from criminalization to decriminalization, yes. which does not mean it's legal, all clarity, mm. but it does mean what we know is you can go to a dinner party and say, hey, has anybody here heard about microdosing and invite the potential for a conversation where people who have experienced it might be able to indoctrinate you into where they get it, what they know. I always find those like kind of human connections are a little bit better mm. than the Google, but nonetheless, where yeah. you can start is start talking about it, get curious. Then if you're beyond that and you're saying, okay, I'm in, I would say Michael Pollan's book is amazing. Yes. Hamilton show is pretty, you know, it's full on. You're definitely <laughs> going to see the all yeah. the way dosage. So don't be afraid yeah. if you're going to take that yeah. in. Um, there's some good podcasts out there, et cetera. You know, so you start doing that. And then, and then mm. if you're looking at what, what drug, et cetera, Really depends on your primary care provider. So if you have a GP who's pretty open-minded, you can talk to your doctor about it. If you maybe don't, you can rock up one of these, uh, rock up like a Canadian phrase, like you call up yeah, uh, like, one oh. of these, <laughs> you can call up one of these ketamine clinics and have a conversation if they are worth their weight. And, you know, there is always this like little beware mm -hmm. because some mm -hmm. of these, whether it's a retreat center or a ketamine clinic, some of them have well-trained people. They're doing mm. like well-understood protocols. They have great integration mm. practices. And mm. some are folks who did a psychedelic journey two weeks ago and it changed their life. And now they opened up a wellness center where they're going to be a sitter and they don't really understand right. the power of not only the medicines, but what can come up for people and they can't hold you properly mm. if, if you know, if you're mm. really going for healing. So I'd say mm. then we're looking at um, just do the typical thing, like uh, ask some questions, make sure they're asking you a lot of questions. Mm. But if you're yeah. thinking about which drug, um, ketamine is currently the only legal psychedelic in America. Mm -hmm. So that's what we know about ketamine. Yeah. We know that there is there's a variety of ways to take ketamine. You can do ketamine infusions. There can be oral ketamine. There could be ketamine with no therapy offered. Mm. So you're just like going to do some ketamine in a room for the, mm. and then you leave. There's, yeah, so there's all kind of pro <laughs> providers. My recommendation, and this is not medical advice, 
um, yeah. is sure. look for look for a place that does have some form of therapy alongside yeah. it. Because if you stumble mm-hmm. across something that, you know, you could use a bit of a guide, um, yeah. it's always helpful to have that on deck. And then if you're thinking further afield and you want to hop on a plane, you now have access to psilocybin over in the Netherlands or in Jamaica wow. Um, wow. or in some places in Mexico. You yep. have access to ayahuasca, of course, in like mm-hmm. Peru and um those are a little bit next level. So you think about yeah. like the easiest entry drug. We're talking about MDMA ketamine. Those mm. are pretty low key, you know, one pepper. Starting points. On the yeah. menu. And then. <laughs> Spicy. You know, you that's right. And then you get into to the psilocybins and the ayahuascas. And then you're getting into like two, three peppers on the menu. And then you're getting into the like DMTs and the ibogaines. And that's, mm. you know, you're getting like up to the four or five. Uh, mm. Some of this stuff will DMT, if people don't know what that is, it's uh, also toad venom, and mm-hmm. you can also make it synthetically. Typically, it's smoked, um, mm. and DMT, you can't you can't step around the DMT experience. Like with psilocybin, mm-hmm. you can kind of like open your eyes and come in and out if it's getting really mm. kind of shaky. DMT will take you to the mountaintop immediately, <laughs> and you will be there for a short period of time, but there's no getting around it. So right. again, I would say just think about what your you want your entry part to be. Mm. Think about who you're with and how much experience they have. And, mm. and, and think about too, you know, really important part of the conversation that not a lot of people are talking about is like, if you're going for healing at those dosages, mm. it's likely that you will have an experience that is, um, really hard to come home and say to your friend or your roommate or your spouse or whatever, they'll say, how did it go? What was it like? And you'll say, uh, and you'll stare at them for a while. (laughs) And then maybe you'll say something like I saw a snake and it came Uh. and it took my soul and it became clear. Right. And that's a real experience. It's an experience that I have had. This is my, this is my personal experience. That's why I can share it. Oh my gosh. That sounds crazy AF, my friend. Like what? (laughs) A snake came and it took your soul. What? Why does that have to do with anything? Um, yeah. Right. But this idea of having integration or having people who understand what that can mean then mm. it's not about the snake and it's not about it taking your soul. It's not about whatever. It's about the feeling of the understanding of being seen mm. and mm-hmm. allowing for something to change mm. in a way that can be scary. That's what mm. that really was for me. Mm. But, but mm. it's right. So having some, something, someone, some understanding of what the other side of this, I always call it, you talk to God and come back on a typical Tuesday. that's brilliant right um that's what this can be like for people so i would say if you're thinking about it do not be afraid make sure that you have the right people and the right systems and processes around you so that Mm. when you do have the moment that unlocks the healing for you Mm. you're able to translate that into something that sticks and it doesn't Mm. become just another good time or another something that was like curious which is also rad i mean i'm a huge yeah i like curiosity yeah but if we're talking about mental health and like long-form healing and the promise of what we think psychedelics can bring Mm. uh, and you are curious i would say those are all of the questions to be asking and uh, Mm. a little bit of a spice level on the different drugs so (laughs) don't go from like having smoked a cigarette at a wedding one time to go and take dmt (laughs) I think that no, that is advice that I could stand by support <laughs> we, plus yes. one. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, Kelsey, thank you for breaking that down. I, I know you're like the CEO of a booming business and to get into like that little nitty gritty conversation of just even where to begin. I appreciate so deeply because it's oh. it's part of the job that maybe you don't focus on every single day, but that people like us and the listeners need to hear from someone who is doing, you know, the deals and the books, if you will, (laughs) and writing the checks, because that it just makes me, it solidifies and validates the process so much that, um, 
makes me trust in the future of it too. So I guess now that we're wrapping up here, what is the future of mind Mm. cure and how can the listeners, you know, follow along or get involved? Yeah. Great. So let's start with desire because that's fun. Um, If a listener was listening to us jam about that and they were thinking that's me or that's my sister, that's my bestie for me Mm. or whatever the case um, we're calling it the desire project because it's a project. It's not just about mm. drug research. It's about listening and hearing and those kind of stories. So I'd mm. say email or Insta or whatever, Insta. hit us up and say, Hey, I'm a person who's curious. Maybe I want to be considered for the clinical trial. Maybe I just want uh. to share with you my story so that you really mm. get what it means for a mm. person to go through this. Like it's important for us to listen. So, okay. So that's, that's our way. I would say secondarily, (laughs) if you're just like generally curious about psychedelia and the practice of it and learning about the drugs and all that kind of thing, you can also just simply do the old follow. Like our team does (laughs) do an exceptional job of sharing and informing and being really thoughtful about that. I think it's part of our work and it's important to me. And, um, and then I would say, you know, if you, where is mind cure in three, five years, we're yeah. building this technology platform, which we didn't spend a lot of time talking about, but no. we, it's okay. It's okay. I'll just, I'll do it really quickly that like, we believe that we can build the thing that unifies mental health care mm. in a way that that becomes the common practice. If you go in, you're going to expect to be able to be at your option, passively biometrically monitored in a way that you are promoted experiences that are proven to help you based Mm. on how you respond and you Mm. can journal and it can natural language process and track your real sentiment and, and AI driven music where if you want to take your experience and take it from tension to calm, it can tell how your own body is responding and is going to feed you music based on where you want to change your experience, not only while you're doing psychedelics, but just on a typical Tuesday. (laughs) <laughs> and we think that, uh, yeah, and we, and we think, you know, we can be that. So we're building out this tech product. So I would say wow. you know, yeah. that's where we'll be in five years time, I think, is you know, when people go for therapy, not only psychedelic therapy, but general therapy, when they say you should meditate and do breath work and journal and all these things that most of us go out and do like a third of it and don't really know why we're doing <laughs> it, what part of it's helping us. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. We're building the tech that's going to do that. And uh, so that's pretty rad. And I mean, if you're an investor, you can, you can invest in the space, not only us, but there's, there's others. And, um, I know that most other CEOs be invest in me. Uh, yeah, (laughs) invest in me too. But also I think, but I think it's a whole category. And so just the same way as like you go and you explore things, you can, you can learn a lot about where the industry is going by seeing what we're all doing out here and the different things that we're advancing in. Um, so that's how I would say, like, follow along. We, yeah. we as a society, it's not just mind cure. It's, it's mm. people listening to this, having an open mm-hmm. mind and going, I'm curious about that. I'm going to read about that. Yeah. I'm listening to this. I like Kelsey yeah. brought, brought Kelsey on the show to talk about <laughs> this. Uh, I, you yeah. know, um, and I'd say that any part of that, you know, when I, when I wake up at two in the morning oh, and, gosh. um, you know, sometimes being a CEO is like a bit of work and I'm, and I'm <laughs> thinking about a challenge mm. and it, it sounds like stereotypical, but it, but I have to say for me at the moment, and, and since we started, it's true. Is that like, I think about the person that I know mm. from high school who took his life, um, mm. in an overdose. Mm. And I think about my own uncle who, mm. Uh, suffered from depression severely enough that he's not with us. Mm. And I think about the real people that Mm. my little problem, right? Mm. Even if it feels big at the moment, like Mm. again, back to this, we have one, one trip on the blue marble in space. Are you serious right now? (laughs) And we have this opportunity to help people really germanely live their one life better. Uh, I would say just follow along folks. You know, I think it's going to change. 
I think it's going to change a lot for a lot of people. Wow. Well, geez, Kelsey Ramden, CEO, Mind Cure. You're just an absolute badass. I am so excited to keep following not only you, but the business. And I appreciate you so deeply for coming on and sharing your truth in your business. And thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, I think the excellence just comes in the name. So all of the things back <laughs> to you. And if all of if all of your listeners could 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 see all of the things um, all of the time in every format that this gets produced in, I would say like I appreciate people who come through their face. And this sounds terrible, but your your uh, animation and conversation <laughs> shows me that you genuinely care about these mm. things. You genuinely yeah. care about the people who are listening. And uh, I do a lot of this stuff. And so I'll just share with you that oh. I appreciate being here genuinely. You're right. It is in the name. The Kelsey's were just on another <laughs> level. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, thank you so much. Confidants, don't forget to check out the links below. Obviously, everything about Mind Care will be there. And we will see you next week.